Oh, man, so good. What a great time of worship. Thank you, Tori, for just leading us. And um, team, you did amazing. I was uh, complimenting our, our men up here because they were all wearing, like, red plaid. Did y'all notice that color coordination? They didn't even plan that. It was like the Holy Spirit woke them up. This is the shirt you need to wear today. Uh, it's pretty incredible. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 4. That's where we're going to be this morning, John chapter 4. And very familiar passage for us, one that I love to share with our church and one that resonates with us quite well. And we're talking um, in this series, the elements of revival, the things that um, we need, the necessities in order for revival to come to our city, to our lives. And, and for any revival to really take place in the land, there must be an internal revival that happens in us in order to live that out. And then that affects change in culture and the way you talk about it. We realized that there was an emphasis on confession the first or it was all about repentance and confession. And that was important for us just to know, to be able to position ourselves. If there's anything inside of us that needs to change, Lord, realign our lives. There was this emphasis on prayer that if any revival were to take place and revival were to move in our land, that we have to be a people of prayer where we have started praying and positioning ourselves on our knees in the morning when we wake up and when we lie down. For revival to happen, it can't come on our strength or our power. We can't wield it. We can't do enough Google SEO searching and enough, enough advertisement. No, it, we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit must come in us and through us. We need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We talked about holiness, that we were to be holy like he is holy means set apart, meaning we don't look like the world. There should be a distinction among you that looks a little bit different. I would argue that a lot of that distinction is fruit in your life, the joy that you have in situations, the patience that you have as traffic is coming back with COVID and everything else. How many can I get an amen? Can I test that? I've been testing, man. It has been a year, of, a week of testing with that traffic. And there's this unity aspect that Alyssa Jobert brought to us that I thought was so fitting in the way that she articulated that for us, that there needs to be this unity amongst the brethren and, and sisterhood and in the church, and that's very important, very important. But I would also say there's several more elements that we could talk about, and this one this morning is about the next generation. The next generation, if revival is going to happen, there needs to be an emphasis on the next generation and being missional towards the next generation. Be missional towards those who have more energy than us. Can I get an amen? It's amazing. Anytime I need to move something, I called Ross Ferrer the other day. I was like, bro, I need 20 pieces of OSB board brought upstairs into my bonus room for subflooring. I need your help because I just can't do it. I need some youth. But youth don't just have strength, youth have passion, and they have excitement and zeal, and they go around and they start spreading the love of Jesus. We need to be missional. That's the element of revival I want to talk about in John 4. But before I get too far, I want to pause and I want to talk about one of our essentials as a church. And Growth Tracks today, if you haven't been, go. Find out what we're about. It's important. And also find out how God made you and wired you to be a part of his church. 
But one of the essentials is diversity that we have displayed over and over again. It was so well spoken by Alyssa last week. And John 4 actually will not just be a missional chapter for us, but we'll see the essential of diversity in there. When we say diversity, we are saying a, a people who are ethnically and culturally diverse coming into a community that honors God and makes disciples. So different people from different backgrounds. And there's moments in time as a church that we have to pause and highlight one of our essentials because the, the news and everything is so loud and it's so apparent and it's on our mind quite often and it's helpful for the church to show us how to navigate through all the noise. And I hope that through the scripture reading today that it helps you navigate through the expounding on the scripture that God would give you a word to help you navigate. And then we put these essentials to help stick on course and stay on course because if not, the church will look a lot like Ben Chapman's and only Ben Chapman's. They'll laugh at my jokes only. They'll, they'll do what I do. They watch what I watch. It'll, it, we, we attract who we are. But who we are, first and foremost, are believers in Christ. We have a sonship and a daughtership. And that's what I want displayed for all to see. That's what I want our church to display. So as you know, this past week, we, in the Asian, Asian American, and Pacific Islander community, there has been some grievances and some mourning and some pain that's real. The news has caught attention of this, and when news catches attention of something, they highlight it and amplify it so much so that, that we see the pain, and you can feel the pain through your TV. I want to let you know that we love Asian, Asian American, and Pacific Islander people in our church. As you know, Voltaire and Cecile, they're elders in our church, that we have multi-ethnic church. And, and, and I know that I reached out to them via text and some other people that I know. I know Pastor Austin reached out to a few people and just letting them know, hey, we grieve with you. We pray with you. And, and we say God is a just God and he hates injustice. He hates injustice. He loves justice. So I want to take a moment. I want to pray for our community. I want to believe for them. We'll always be a church that prays for one another as we see each other hurting. And before I pray, I want to say there are different moments. There's, there's all sorts of things happening in our world. There are thousands of injustices. If it catches wind and there's a tension that could cause a divide in our church, I want to address it. I want to be the first to address it because I want to bring unity in our church. I want to bring peace in our church. Let's pray. Father, we're just so grateful, God, for the people that you've brought to our church. God, there's not many churches that would pause from the pulpit in moments like this. I realize that. But God, we are a unique people. A people who are set apart. We're brought together through such an amazing level of diversity, but unity in Christ. And Lord, I just pray for the Asian, Asian American, and Pacific, Pacific Islanders who are in pain right now, who are hurting, who are mourning, who feel maybe targeted and attacked, or maybe even have felt 
microaggressions and bigotry towards them, Lord, I pray, God, that we could come as a body around them and that, Lord, there would be no offense taking place, but there would be a level of love on display. And, Lord, I pray in this house there would never be anything that would discriminate towards such a people who you love dearly. Lord, I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would give us words when we don't have words, that you would allow us to extend invitations and hands. Let us be your hands and feet in every way. And, Lord, let unity be on display in our church always. Lord, we thank you for the diversity you brought to our church. We know more will come. And, Lord, I thank you for the many nations that are represented in this place. God, not one is elevated over another. Not one person is less than another. God, I thank you that you see them as yours. Would we also do the same? Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I appreciate us being able to pause in moments like that. And when I pray, I also would say that you should pray. When I read, I would say that you would read. And when you see me getting passionate, I would hope that you would get a little excited as well. Uh, that we would have this empathy of emotion and, and move and bring together a like-minded faith that I think is helpful. In John chapter 4, we'll read about this in and, and the context of being missional and missional. But you'll also see some unique things appropriate for our time that are not just that, but there's quite a bit of scripture, so I'll ask that you follow with me on the screen. And it says in verse 4, And he had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. This is Jesus. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that it is saying to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Jesus, said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. 
You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and it is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. We see this moment that we all know. We read this chapter, I think, every three months in our church. I'm hoping that it resonates in you and it motivates you on a consistent basis. But what we see is the element of revival of mission right here. And I want to talk about how the element of revival of mission has changed the world. It has moved in such a great way. We see that in the 1700s, this was, this was after the 95 Thesis was nailed to the wall and the Catholic Church was coming down on Christians and believers who didn't act or practice within the Roman Catholic Church. You see, when Christians got a hold of this grace and this love and, and, and Scripture was printed readily where they could read Scripture for themselves, there, there was this revival and people were moving. But now the Roman Catholic Church was pushing down and persecuting in this day, and we find in 1722 in Moravia, a bunch of youth end up going to a man's house, Nicholas Zinzendorf, and there they find shelter, and he takes them in, and they began to pray and press into the Lord. You see, they started chasing after him and started a 24-7 prayer that lasted, I think, 100 years. They, they started seeing miracles break out. In year 5, in, in 1727, there was all sorts of significant moves of God. You see that people were coming together, and they moved there, and they, it propelled them to move on mission. And from there, they started scattering and planting churches all over the world. And God was up to something big then. We see in, in our lifetime, we see different movements and mission organizations with youth with a mission that went all around the world because they realized that if the youth, if students and college students and high school students get this and give Jesus in such a way, they're going to spread it. And so there was intentionality to do it. We see that Mike Bickle in 1999 started International House of Prayer. And there for 22 years, they've been praying 24-7 nonstop. And you know what? It's hard for Brandy and me and our two kids who are in school to go up to IHOP. But you know who's filling those rooms? It's the youth. It's college. It's, it's when they graduate, it's the young people who are going and saying, I'm going to dedicate my life to this. 
And now you have worship leaders all over the world who've come from this movement. You have missionaries who've gone out, evangelists that have spread out from great moves like this. We've seen it over and over again, and, and it's modeled, and this is what Jesus does is when he chose these disciples, they were young, they were ready, they were excited. He loves to go to people, and he loves to go on mission, and, and in this moment, he loves to use maybe somebody who's not the most gifted, not the most extraordinary in their talents and their gifts. They may not know the most. He, he goes to Samaria and finds a Samaritan woman. A woman who really, in all accounts, should have been discounted. You see, the first thing that we need to be on mission is we have to go. Mission means going. That we have to go, and this is what Jesus modeled. You see, there's a typical route when going and when traveling, and Jesus would go and check out Jesus' map versus the Jewish map route right here. You would have this route map go, and everybody would go around in this red dotted line around Samaria to get to Galilee, back and forth. But Jesus takes this direct route, the blue dotted one through Sikkar, because he needed to go to a people that most of the Jews avoided. He needed to go there. He needed to go through Samaria. Jesus, in his going, never does anything accidental. He didn't accidentally fall upon this well and be by this woman and engage her. Jesus is always on mission. He's always on mission. In his life, he was constantly moving in mission in so many ways, and he was breaking the barriers of the time. And some of us barriers ourselves. Some of us have some barriers on how we go in life. There's certain ethnic groups that we'll avoid. There's certain cultural barriers that we won't participate on. Have you ever been called to a mission trip to a certain country, but you didn't like that food, so you reprayed and ended up somewhere else that was more palatable? You see, we, we do this often because we like our preferences, but Jesus wasn't about his preference. He was about going after those who were overlooked, who were marginalized, and he showed us the model in going. He also not just broke down ethnical walls, he broke down gender walls. And I think this is something that we need to take note of, that women really matter to God and to the kingdom. It's a very important thing because in our life, we've come across so many microaggressions that we've seen in our life towards certain people and certain demographics. Maybe your dad would always um, say derogatory things towards ladies. Maybe your grandfather. Maybe they would use different racial slurs. Maybe there would be different jokes that would happen and everybody around the table laughed and you saw it just as normal, as acceptable. See, this is why we don't need to evaluate necessarily our culture specifically. We can just evaluate Jesus and how he interacted. And once you look at Jesus, then you can 
practice that and walk it out in our lives. We as a church have to grow in these areas. We have to grow in these areas when we are treating other genders wrong. We need to grow in the area of racism when racism is coming up, that knowing that that's a sin and we need to speak out against it. There's all sorts of people that need Jesus and all these people do and we must cross these lines as Jesus did. Mission also means giving. Mission also means giving. That we are to give and this is what Jesus did is he gave a prophetic word to this lady. Now at first this prophetic word seems a little exposing, right? Oh man, he's calling out everything that I'm doing, everything that I am. But the great thing about Jesus is that he was only exposing what he was about to heal. He was only uprooting something that was going to be replaced with him and his glory. Colin Crust says this in his commentary, it seems that Jesus' intention in mentioning these things was not to create a sense of guilt, but to confront the pain in her relationships. He wanted to confront that pain because it was in that moment that he could replace that pain. You see, Jesus, is, Jesus was always given. He was taking a heavy burden from this woman, and he wants to take a heavy burden from you, whatever you're carrying today. And he wants to replace it with a different burden and a different yoke, his, which is light. He's a giver. And I, as a church, want to be a giver like that. You see, us as a local church who's part of a larger church, us as a local church have tried to emulate all the things that Jesus has displayed and walk it out in a way that people would want to be a part. And so we have come and we, we give. The worship team gave this morning. The production team gave this morning. Right? The, the, the kids team is giving this morning all that they have to bring the gospel to our children this morning. See, we want to be a church that gives. I'm so thankful because, because in mission, we're, we're going, but we're also giving. We're also caring for people around us. We have seen this in our church. Several people a couple weeks ago gave, gave over $1,000 to help those who were hurting from snowvid, you know, from the snowpocalypse, from the freezing. And there was uh, two ladies in our church, their, their, their apartment molded and got all moldy. And, and it was the church that came and said, we got to move them and we got to get them out of there. And, and, and it was the church, it was through those gifts that we were able to bless them and buy them some furniture and, and take care of their needs. Also as a church, I know this is, the tendency is to hoard everything, right? Have you ever wanted to hoard things? I'll pick on Rowdy, you know, because, because it's just so fun to do. You know, it'd be easy to just take this brand new guitar that he got, right? It would be easy to do that and, and just and not let it, him share it with anybody. You know, he may not even want to bring it to a church that sets up because it may fall off like it did this morning where the strap came off and it could have busted and been like, oh, why did I give that? I should have just kept it at home. You see, we love to hoard things. We love to move in this place of hoarding things and keeping it ourselves. And I think as a church, we, we moved out of the Ridge Shopping Center. And God called us here to the Palladium. And, 
and we put all of our stuff in storage. We're like, just put it in storage. God's going to give us a building. As much as I believe that God's going to give us a land, and he's going to give us a building, we decided as a church we're not going to hoard all our stuff, but part of our mission is to give, to help reach, to go and give. And so we started just giving our stuff away, giving our stuff away. We're just emptying storages and just giving it away. Check out this quick video from Thrive Church. Hey, Luminous Church family, this is Roy, the pastor of Thrive Church, is down the road from you guys in Midtown. And we just wanted to take a moment and say thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for donating these chairs to us. I mean, it was such an incredible blessing. Thank you to uh, you guys, your pastor, Ben. He's become such an incredible friend of mine. And we just wanted to take a moment and say thank you. We love you so much, and uh, words just fail me in trying to really express the gratitude that we have for you guys. So we just pray an abundant blessing over you and your community as we work together to show people the love of Jesus in our city, in San Antonio, and beyond. Love you guys. Come on, hey, let's give God a hand for that. See, part of revival is when you start setting up other people and you give it to them so that they can reach more people. You see, we just started, we gave all these chairs to this church plant and they're reaching people that will never reach in Midtown. They're gonna share the gospel with people that we would never come encounter with because that's how revival happens. You start giving. So you don't just, you don't just go and you don't just give, but you also gotta tell. Mission means telling. You see, Jesus didn't just, give her a prophetic word, but he told her about the good news. He told her about living water that leads to eternal life, a life abundantly, a life that doesn't matter what you've done in your past because Jesus gives living water to all those who trust and believe in him. The woman responded and she similarly, she went on mission. And she gave her testimony, and then she shared Jesus with them. When God moves in such powerful ways, it would be our tendency to keep Jesus for ourselves. Uh, there's a certain person in this room, and whenever she finds a new band, she doesn't, let, she doesn't want to tell anybody about the new band, the new music, right? Because it's just her music. Have you ever been like that? It's like our tendency. It's why we join fraternities and sororities and secret societies. And, and we just want to keep it for ourselves, you know. Some of us, you know, we love Luminous so much. I don't want to share Luminous with my coworkers. Because then I have to see them and then we got to talk about it. You know, some of us don't want to share it with our classmates because then they'll come and they'll like it. And it was the cool thing. I remember when, when Keaton, the youth director, used to hang out with me. But now he's hanging out with this kid. And we just want to hoard it because in our tendency, we make two excuses to not go, to not give, and to not share. The first one is we, 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 we hoard it and we want it all. We think God is a finite God with finite resources. The beautiful thing about the kingdom is God is a God of abundance. See, sometimes we feel like he's so finite because we grow up in a society with patents and trademarks and have to be the first one to have the information. 
But do you realize God is a God of abundance? Like if he gives that person a patent, don't worry, he'll give you an idea too. You see, God has plenty of ideas and plenty of resources. He's not going to run out. It's what makes the church different because we trust him with that. We trust that he's amazing. And as we steward that, we just see God just comes and he multiplies and he does so many wondrous things. The second excuse that we make is we don't have time. I don't have time to go. And I don't have time to really care about somebody. I don't have time to tell them. I'll just forward on my podcast. I don't have time, so we make these excuses. That's what I love about God. Is God multiplies our time. He multiplies our time. One conversation with one person can lead to that person telling somebody else. And that person telling somebody else. We've seen it in every revival. That was the person ministering to Billy Graham. And it was Billy Graham speaking to the millions. You know, it was, it was, um, it was, it was uh, George Whitfield who talked to uh, John Morant, a, a black pastor who got a hold of the gospel. And it, it was these moments that he went and he traveled the south and ended up in England and helped in moves of abolition. See, all we have to do is be faithful to tell one person. We don't have to tell the whole world. Tell one. So what should we do as a church and what's our response? We need to pray. Jesus, where do you want me to go today? No, not next month, not this summer on a missed trip. Where do you want me to go today? God, how can I care for them? What can I give to them? How can I show your compassion there? And thirdly, what do you want me to share with them? What do you want me to tell them? This is our mission, church. This is how revival happens in us and through us, in this land and beyond. I want to pray for you. If you won't mind closing your eyes and bowing your head. Maybe there's a burden for you this morning that God has been burdening you with. I want to pray into that. Second thing I want to pray into is maybe today you haven't lived on mission because you've never partaken of living water. You don't know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with him. Hard to tell how great this water is unless you taste it, unless you know it. I want to pray for you as well. Father, I thank you for the burdens that you put on us. They're light. They're easy. You've taken so much from us. Entanglement, sin, past, separation. And Lord, you replaced it with joy and purpose that moves us to make a difference. Lord, that purpose is the burden. And it's not cumbersome, it's not heavy, light, amazing with you. Lord, I just pray we could embrace that this way.
And if you don't know this living water, you don't know Jesus. The word would say, submit that you're a sinner. Confess and believe that Jesus is Lord. And that he took that sin away. And start following him. Father, if there's anybody in here watching online that I need a relationship with Jesus, pray this would be their moment. This would be their moment. God, you would come. Lord, as they're calling out to you, save. Show up. Renew them and change them. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, church. Well, thank you, Pastor Ben, for an amazing word about being on mission for Jesus. Keen, didn't, didn't we go on a mission trip together? That's right. We sure did. Yay, How was go. that? I, I, I loved it. I think being in the Dominican Republic and just Dominican. sharing the gospel of people that may have never like heard of, of Jesus was just phenomenal, not only for them, but I think for me. I think it filled me up. How, how, what about you? Oh, my goodness. That was one, my first mission trip. So my first mission trip like that, I've done things in the States, but mm -hmm. that was just amazing yeah. seeing us being able to pray over people, watch actual physical healings. And I preached my first message. <laughs> it was like 10 minutes, but <laughs> message nonetheless. Yeah, it was. So. I do remember that. Fantastic. Yeah. And I, again, we don't have to be outside of our country to be on mission. We can be on mission here yeah. in our workplace, in our families, and we just want to encourage you to be on mission for Jesus today. We do have a couple of announcements, so tell us, Keaton, what are some announcements? Yes, so today, right after service, we actually have growth track, so meet us right after the cafe. And after being quarantined for all this time last year, and even this year, what a great year to grow, right? So meet us right after this in the cafe. You don't have to sign up. Um, and I believe lunch will be provided. If not, don't bring your appetite. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And then next week, join us because it is Palm Sunday. What a great way for us just to get together and commune. Jesus is making his way in, yes. and we're just going to scream Hosanna for him. So make sure that you bring a, a friend, some family. And if you don't have the elements of communion already, for those of you who are joining us online, make sure that you gather those this week because we want to have communion with you next week. Yes, absolutely. And lastly, we just want to thank you guys so much for giving of your times, your talent, your treasure, and your finances. Your tithes and offerings go far beyond Luminous Church. And so I can't thank you enough personally and as a church just for everything that the Lord has placed on your heart to give. And know that as you give, the Lord gives back to you, whether that's in finances or in other areas of your life. So we just want to thank you today and just bless our tithes and offerings. Let's just pray before we close. Lord, we thank you so much, Father. Thank you for all that you have given to us. We just pray that our hearts would be in a place to continue to give on to you in every way possible, God. Would you bless the hands that have given this morning and continue to multiply the goodness of works that you do within our lives. Yes. We thank you so much. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Amen. are you coming next week? I'll be here. I'll be here. Let's do it. So make sure you're here. We will see you next week. Yes.